The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, it's every announcer's dream, the ability to curse and not get in trouble as we examine Hellboy in Hell, Volume 1. Then a whirlwind tour from Gotham to the deepest reaches of the universe with stops along the way in Metropolis, Greyhawk, Azusa, and Cucamonga. The white line is for loading and unloading only. The red line leads to the terminal, so maintain single file in an orderly fashion. Make sure not to crowd your fellow travelers as the Major Spoilers Podcast takes to the air. Welcome to issue 876 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and thank you for checking us out this week. Because just like the astronauts and aliens, we're all here to put things in your ear holes. What? Take a listen to the song, Matthew. Take a listen to the song. Let's get to some. Let us get to some news. Uh, This week we can talk about Marvel going digital. We could also talk about that new D&D movie, or we could talk about something else. Mystery, mystery, mystery one. Let's spin the wheel and see who the mystery date is. Round and round and round it goes. And news coming out this week that Marvel is actually going to be doing some digital firsts ahead uh, ahead of their print release returning on the 27th. Uh, we've got two weeks of digital first comics, but that's not the question that I have for you because right now, uh, DC is really pushing for Tuesday is new comic book day, mm-hmm. and the rest of the comic book industry, at least right now, those still attached to Diamond, are still sticking with the Wednesday new comic release day. And I was just curious, uh, what is everyone's thoughts? Uh, would you rather have new comic book day on a Tuesday or a Wednesday? Ashley, Victoria Robinson is joining us this week. Hello, Ashley. Hi. What What are your thoughts? Do, do you care either one way or another? I know you've worked in comic book shops and, and whatnot. It's true. Would you prefer having Comic Book Day on a Tuesday or would you prefer having it on a Wednesday? Or would you rather just have it continue to be split in half like this where some the DC diehards can come in and get their comics on Tuesday and everyone else can come in on a Wednesday? Well, my first reaction when you read this headline, because I'm trying now uh, to be a better person about not interrupting, um, was to go, this is my surprise face that Marvel is putting out <laughs> digital first comics. Imagine that, Disney. Uh, ultimately, you kind of nailed it with your phrasing of the question. I don't really care what day they pick. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but I think splitting the focus between a Tuesday and a Wednesday, that could be detrimental to your brick and mortars. Because you do rely a lot on your Wednesday warriors, your dedicated people coming in, picking up, and usually they'll browse and pick something else up. But those people who are coming in on Tuesday just for your DCs probably aren't coming back on Wednesday, which means they're probably not picking up anything other than DC. Now, most people shop in their small little bubble. Um but they, they're less likely to be open. And that the, the splitting of the days is what I think could be harmful in the long run. And like, I don't really care if it's Tuesday or Wednesday or, you know, March 1st and Blur's Day, mm-hmm. as long as we just everyone picks one. Yeah, I've kind of talked about this on uh, pre-show stuff. I've talked about this on Finally Friday, maybe even before on the Major Spoilers podcast. I think it's really interesting that um, we could end up with a split like this. And I'm also very surprised that the rest of the industry doesn't want to go with the Tuesday release. And the reason why I I say Tuesday is because Tuesday is the day where typically you have all the books and music and movies, all that stuff gets released uh, to your big box stores and all your other bookstores and outlets and those kinds of things. So tying your inventory schedule onto 
that same day release. It used to be when when Matthew and I were in college, um, I, I knew what day new toys arrived at stores, uh, what their new shipment day was, because then I could go down there and I could be the first to pick through the Batman animated series action figures and get the ones that, that I was looking for or the Star Trek figures or whatever that may be. And so Tuesday always seems like the smartest choice because that tends to give you a few, uh, you know, one extra day, but it does give you one extra day of that comic kind of being on the shelf uh, before you hit into the weekend. And so there could be uh, a really nice push to get people excited about something that comes out on a Tuesday. So when they come in on a Friday, it's there. Um, and just kind of getting along with the rest of the publishing industry, Tuesday seems better for me. I am concerned because you're right, Ashley, if you do split this, mm-hmm. it's going to hurt somebody. And I can understand wanting to keep everything on Wednesday for the traditional local comic shop brick and mortar stores, because then that means either the bookstores, the traditional bookstores are not releasing the trade paperbacks on the same day, meaning they have to release it either the day before or the week after Um, that could end up hurting the local comic shop in the long run. But, you know, I think Tuesday is the better, the better choice. I don't get physical comics anymore because I don't have a comic shop anymore. and, And the person that normally gets me my comics no longer does it. Uh, so I'm digital only, so it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, Rodrigo, what about you? Um, I don't know. I guess there is sort of a, 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 a mystique, like a camaraderie about all the comics coming out on the same day and everybody being mm-hmm. like, it's new comic book day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think to a large degree we record and, and, and post the, the, the podcast when we do because yep. that kind of fits in with all that stuff. Yep, yep. Um, so it's, uh, you know, th- it, it's, it's if they all keep, continue to come out on Wednesday, it would be easier for us. It would be easier for everybody. Nothing changes. Nothing is disrupted. Or we can pretend that nothing has been irrevocably disrupted. Um, for me, I think it would be kind of cool if nobody cared and you had potentially new comic books every day um i i'm not someone who pays a lot of attention to release schedules like that so although it is annoying to check on a wednesday and be like where's my new uh i don't know rogue planet and they're like well actually oni's releasing comics on thursdays now um that might be annoying Mm -hmm. but also it you know just get it tomorrow especially because I also, I'm mostly getting my comics digitally. And if I go to a comic book store, it's not to get the latest stuff. Mm, okay. I might pick up an issue of the latest stuff, but mostly I'm looking for trades um, and, you know, zines, I guess. Yeah, those zines, Matthew. What about you? What Do you have some thoughts on a Tuesday or a Wednesday release? Or do you care? Does it? Do you want everybody to just get on the same page? What's What's going on inside your head? I'm actually of three minds about it. The the id, uh, which is the the nerd in me that wants comics. The the super ego, which is the side of me that sold comics, and the ego, which is the forty nine year old man who's sick of all the bullcrap. But I think that on the one hand, it is something that I don't think people should care about. I feel like as someone who used to be a part of the team that really really struggled to get the new books unloaded, scanned put in the right place, bagged as necessary, in the right pull lists, everywhere they need to be, on Wednesday, it feels like splitting that labor over more than one day might actually be positive for the brick and mortars. I don't watch mm. brick and mortar myself, but I heard the pickle episode is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, on the other hand, it might be even more complicated, and hopefully there are you know, going to be more changes coming in the way that the direct market model works, it might be even more complicated to say you get some books Tuesday, some books Wednesday, some books on Blurns Day. And that, you know, the nerd side of me is is kind of like, oh, this seems complicated. But then, you know, the old guy in me usually went on Friday anyway. So I think that it's going to be a problem for a certain portion of the of the readers, for a certain portion of the, you know, the people actually selling the books, the uh, what do you call those guys, the retailers, the ones who retail. But I also feel like in the grander scheme of things, if we stay with split schedules or if we add even more days, 
if you know DC Tuesday, Marvel Wednesday, Dark Horse Thursday, and you know your your Action Lab comics come out every afternoon when the moon is blue, you'll eventually get used hey, to that. Hey, as that someone would... who's being published by Action Lab, I'm not. I saying... wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. I'm not saying bad things. I love the fact that Action Lab comics are so easy. You can go and you'd be like, bam, I'm going to buy an Action Lab comic. Wait, there are no comics coming out? I'm still going to buy an Action Lab comic. I, I, that was my, my bread and butter for the last month and a half. It's like, hey, Action Lab's publishing. Yeah. I know Other people are like, oh, there's no new comics. I'm like, B-word, please. I have brand new comics in my di digital virtual hands. Yeah. But yes. May Loki continue to bless us and hope that they keep publishing until Jupiter Jet Volume 2 hits stands. Well, I, you know, they, they, as Matthew said, they didn't have, I think they had one comic last week, but they have no comics this week. Yeah, um, I think they, but, they had a, a slowdown later than other people's. Yeah, so, yeah, the, th the whole thing that triggered this with the Tuesday, Wednesday was the fact that DC was still pushing really hard on, we're going to release everything on Tuesday uh, right. because of our new distributors and everything. I have a feeling we're going to see everybody kind of figure out one way or another that they want to to align. Um, but Rodrigo is right. I mean, this we recorded this show on a Tuesday, not only because that was the night that we were doing our Doctors on Call show, uh, but also because Tuesday we can record. Wednesday morning you wake up and, hey, here's not only new comic books, but new comic book talk right here in your yep. ear hole every Wednesday morning. The best part of this is that I finally realize how good it feels to be a Stevens-style futurist teller of truths. Because I said a couple of weeks ago on this show that I didn't know who was going to break first. But as soon as Marvel or DC did, the other would almost immediately follow suit. Oh, with the digital with releases? Digital first. Yeah, 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 yeah. And DC did that. And that was, you know, the thing that kind of irritates me about that is uh, I saw so much backlash against DC for trying to get the new digital first comics out there and getting them out there before Diamond was ready. Give us comics. No, not like that. Yeah, but then when Marvel says, oh, by the way, here are all these comics. And then the weird thing about this here in a minute, I'll, I'll tell you, but then Marvel says, yes, we're also going to do digital first for two weeks. And nobody said anything. I, I didn't see a big backlash online like everyone backlashed against DC. The weird thing well, about the Marvel, Marvel one, though, is... Here's the weird thing about the Marvel. Now, I'll be reviewing Lois Lane number 10, which is coming out uh, this week digitally, but then will come out, I think, on the 27th in physical form. The digital first coming from Marvel over the next two weeks are issues that I don't think are going to see print until much later this year, if they see single issue releases at all. They may be just taking the issues uh, this week on Dueling Review. Matthew and I will be reviewing Ant-Man number four, one of these digital firsts. Uh, I don't think we're going to see ant-man in print form until it's collected in the trade going forward for ant-man four five and six right and same way with uh, spider ghost spider and the other so that's the only weird thing that i that i saw out of that marvel digital first but yeah as soon as people figured out that they can do that um i think more people are going to jump on board and you know action lab was doing it way before dc uh so really action lab deserves a lot of credit over this time even archie was doing Woo! digital first releases uh, yeah. before before everyone else because they just had comics that are like, we're just going to do this. And I didn't see a lot of backlash from from comic book stores, which makes me wonder if people really are upset or if they're just making noise to make noise because one of the big we publishers like is... DC. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Anyway, uh, you can join the conversation, dear listener. We've shared our thoughts about New Comic Book Day on Tuesday or Wednesday. We want you to talk all about it in our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free... Or you can link your Patreon account to Discord and get access to even more features. You can find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let's go ahead and jump into some reviews. Review some comics. We're going to review some comics, and let's start off with last week's Joker Harley Criminal Sanity number 4, Matthew, from that DC Comics uh, company. Man, I want to start out with the effusive gushing praise, because, uh, you know, there's other stuff coming. This is a beautiful comic book. This is really, really beautifully drawn, detailed work. It reminds me of, uh, do you remember Jay Anacleto on um, Aria, probably 10, 15 years ago? Sure, let's say yes. Incredibly detailed pencil work, just amazing. And certain portions of this book are presented in black and gray tones. And gosh, they're pretty. They are so pretty. 
And then every time you do a flashback, everything's in color and it's so weird and the colors are garish and I'm just like, stop with the color. And we come back to the present and everything's black and gray tones and you're just like, oh, oh, I love it. In fact, the thing that I really love about the black and gray tones in the present is that everything is black, white, and gray with the exception of Joker, who has bright green hair and bright red lips. And if you just stuck with that and everything's black and white and only Joker has color, I'd be like, oh my God, you guys, they made something. And I'm just like, whoa, Harley and the Joker. Whoa, it's art, man. So beautiful, beautiful comic book. Take that with you. I do not like this book. I do not like this series. And here's why. It is a black label book. Which, again, I'm not down on Black Label. Black Label is for a specific portion of the, the you know, public. If you want an adult book where Harley Quinn says F, if you want a book where the murders are more brutal, more on panel, more in your face, definitely, there's nothing wrong with that. You can love what you love, you can read what you want to read, and you can say, I really want to read a Joker, Harley Quinn story that is dark and gritty like an episode of Criminal Minds or like a slasher movie, uh, like a hostile movie. And that's what you get here. You get blood and murder and fetishization of murder and sexy, sexy, everything evil is super sexy, gorgeous, beautiful Harley Quinn walking around, beating up on guys, people trying to kill her, they can't kill her. Uh, the one murder is so horrific that I'm not even going to address it because I literally got to that page and went, nope, going to move on, going to read the, read the dialogue, move on. But, again, a book not being for me is not the same as saying that the book is bad. And it is a gorgeous comic book. And I feel like for a certain section of the population... You know, this final page shot of the Joker looking for all the world like Brandon Lee in The Crow. I feel like that is an iconic new school Joker moment. I feel like if I was looking for an image of a modern, you know, post Heath Ledger, post face uh, camp boy Joker, this is an issue. This is a, a, an image that I would definitely just completely glom onto. That said, book is not for me. Absolutely not for me. I think that people will love it. I feel that the quality of the book is such that even though five ninety nine is probably high in terms of a price point, based on the amount of material you get, I feel like the quality of the material will be fine for people who like it. If you are like me, and if a story where the Joker is being placed as the good guy because they've put so much work into making the other killer villain so over-the-top, murdery, murdery, horrific, kind of maybe even too realistic, horrific, murdery, murdery. If you're going to be sensitive to that like I am, not a book for you. Other than that, decent book. Two out of five slices of meatloaf on my personal scale. Again, not a bad comic. I want to state that. I cannot state that too much. I cannot overstress the fact that I don't like this book doesn't mean it's a bad comic. I don't like this book. All right, there you go. So DC had some comics out. Webtoons also had comics out, Ashley. Um, yeah. They had some stuff out on May 10th. What, what are we looking at? So this is the fun thing, and this is sort of the hysterical thing about us discussing release dates. And I know uh, a lot of us here read a lot of uh, – European and mm -hmm. Japanese comics as well. And I've been very into Webtoons. I talked about a Webtoon last week. I interviewed a Webtoon creator for the site. So I am like all in on the Webtoons right now and sort of the larger web comic scene, which is a thing that I get very into about once a year. So the time was coming. And Webtoons pretty much just update whenever the uh, creators feel like it. The... I, I'll say better, but that's I don't mean in terms of quality. I just mean in terms of planning the better ones release on a regular schedule. Uh, not all of them do. And one of the newer offerings that I've really been enjoying is called The Doctors Are Out. And a lot of the things that I'm really into on Webtoons are very high concept, uh, usually urban or high fantasy because that's just my jam. And this is straight up 
uh, what if there were two hot doctors and they fell in love but were too embarrassed to be in love? And it's uh, in that silly way, not challenging, but also in these incredibly challenging times, it's uh, exactly what I need. One of them is a hot vet. The other one is a hot person doctor. They have names that are almost exactly the same. They have offices beside each other and uh, they hate each other, but they blush a lot. It's new this year. It's new to the last couple months and it is created by uh, an artist whose presence I very much have come to enjoy on social media. Their handle is Blau, B-L-A-U. I'm pretty sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but it's all I have. Uh, they're an artist from the Philippines. And what's really cool about that is that her style is very influenced uh, by a lot of anime, but the structure of the world that she's built and the way that she lays out her panels, even in that vertical format that a webtoon has to work in for an iPhone or an iPad, which in my opinion is the optimal reading experience, unless the, the uh, creators have done all of the Tetris work to make it into a book, um, is it re reads kind of like a Western comic. So for mm. me, it's combining a lot of different things that I like in terms of genre. It's giving me this tone that I like and it's, super super gorgeous so this is my comfort food it's brought me a lot of joy and it's not one of the larger webtoons i talked about darby last was it last week was it the week before what is time yeah who what is, she? is time? i don't know her time is relative um or like laura olympus or the the really huge this is a newer um webtoon so i really think that if people are looking for something that is fun and genuine and very much owns what it is and is gorgeous to look at. I cannot recommend The Doctors Are Out Enough. It's both the most heartfelt and silliest thing I read this week. So far, it's been updating regularly. It's supposed to update every Monday. Hasn't failed yet. And this was the only comic I read this week that wasn't helpful. <laughs> there you go. All right, thank you for that, Ashley. Uh, coming out this week, Digital First from DC Comics. It's Lois Lane number 10 from Greg Recca and Mike Perkins. Um, you know, this is that that series that started with Leviathan and then kind of is into its own area. I don't know what the current state of the multiverse is after the last Flash came back and was mucking around with everything. And is he, is he Watchmen? Is he not Watchmen? I, I don't know what's going on. But apparently there are characters in this comic uh, that know that the multiverse exists and that they may have been part of a different earth or a different dimension or a different timeline. And so in this one, uh, in this issue, there is an assassin who's trying to take down Lois Lane. And so we get Renee Montoya. We get uh, Sister, what's her name? Some witchy type uh, nun person. Sister Montoya. Sister Montoya. And then we have, <laughs> there's like three different, there's three different, uh, you know, we've got R Renee Montoya and then two magical type uh, beings who are trying to come to grips with the fact that the things that they remember and the things that they know in this reality aren't meshing. And they're starting to come to grips with, oh, we are an amalgam, not using an amalgam, but... We are an amalgam of all these different timelines and experiences and realities and multiverses that have all been collapsed into this one person. Uh, Renee even comes out and says, you know, in a different reality, I was, or in a different multiverse, I thought I used to work for the Gotham City Police Department. Turns out I don't. Uh, also, it doesn't really say whether she is the question in this current timeline or not, because at one point she was, and I know that the other question is still running around. Uh, but what is really interesting about this, and this is why I, I might suggest you pick this up, is they have multiple double page splashes where you see each of these characters in their different incarnations across the various timelines and multiverses that we have seen in comics before. So I find that very, very uh, fascinating and interesting, especially as you're trying to piece together, you know, what Earths are here and not here. Matthew and I reviewed Hawkman uh, last week which dealt with uh, reincarnation and remembering things as well as all the various earths and the death metals and all of that kind of stuff and how this death works metal. together. It's a little bit confusing, but if you're somebody that really enjoys the multiverse, there's something interesting about this story as they're trying to convince uh, this magic user to help them save Lois from the assassin. And uh, sure enough, they do save Lois from the assassin, but there may be another character in the story that uh, may be dead pretty darn soon 
Can't give that away yet because the embargo hasn't list, lifted for this issue until, of course, you're listening to this, in which case it's okay, but I'm not going to do it anyway because I want you to go and pick this up. Lois Lane number 10 from DC Comics. I'm giving it four and a half slices of meatloaf. I was confused about, you know, whether there was a multiverse or not and whether I was confusing it with the CW, the Flash's uh, multiverse, which exists but doesn't exist, but uh, still good times. And if you like to noodle with uh, different timelines and variations, this book gives you a lot of that plus some hijinks, including Superman coming to visit his wife in her hotel room and him eating all of her potato chips. So you want to check it out just for that. <laughs> That's Lois Lane number 10 out this week from DC Comics. We're going to jump a few weeks ahead now and see what's going on when print comics return on the 27th. Rodrigo, what do you got? Uh, what do I got? I got Rogue Planet number one. Uh-oh. So uh, Oni Press... Um... This is Colin Bunn, uh, Andy McDonald on on the art, and uh, it's a spooky space story. Um, so in uh, Rogue Planet number one, we are introduced to a, a fairly large crew. I want to say there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, so like eight of them, um, and you know, it's like here's this crew is going to investigate. A uh, a rogue planet, which is an actual thing. A rogue planet is a planet that is not held by uh, by the gravitational pull of a specific star, so it's just kind of drifting out in space. Um, you know, with, with a crew that large, uh, going to investigate something, like all, already, it's like, oh no, I, I bet not everybody makes it back. Um, and sure enough, uh, so this is a this is a crew of, I mean, I, I think it, it's it's like a private group, and basically they uh, hear a distress signal, go to this planet because they are sure that they're going to be able to find a cache of something. Basically, they don't expect that anybody survived, um, so they're going to the distress signal to basically see what the other ship that's sending the distress signal had and po possibly get a big score and be able to cash it in or turn it back in for money. But instead they find horror. Uh oh. Um, yeah. So I don't want to give away too much, but I'll just say this. If you like cosmic horror, uh, there's certainly some of that here. If you like body horror, there's a lot of that here. Oh, boy. So if you like stuff with, I don't know, maybe lots of eyes or mouths where they shouldn't be or, you know, the, an armpit on a head, that sort of thing, um, this, this, is, this is your new favorite book. The art is very good. Um, Andy McDonald does a really good job of showing us... Um, visually distinct people and monstrous uh, things as well as ships of various makes you know you kind of very quickly figure out it's like oh this is like an earthling ship these other ships maybe aren't uh, earthling in design uh, there's also a look at some other potential alien creatures it's not very clear whether like this is like a you know, Star Trek type of situation where, like, humans know that there's lots of different types of aliens, or if this is more of a, I don't know, I guess, Serenity situation where there aren't, or uh, I guess maybe it's like a hmm, alien type situation where, you know, humans aren't really sure if there's something else out there in the galaxy. Um, the, you know, alien, obviously an influence, um, and I don't think this book shies away from that. I think it kind of wears that on its sleeve. Uh, probably the single most amazing piece of storytelling technology in this book and that I've seen in a long time is that everybody puts on these spacesuits, but the the light that illuminates their face is a different color for each character. So uh, one of them is purple, one of them is green, one of them is red, one of them is blue. So it's... Uh, you can tell who each character is as long as you're keeping track of the colors, which is something that uh, I think, you know, last week, two weeks ago, nine years ago, I'm not really sure. I reviewed another um, basically bunch of people go into space and get in trouble type book. And that 
was an issue. When everybody's wearing a big bulky spacesuit that's supposed to look realistic, it's hard to tell who everybody is. But this book gets around it by color coding everybody. And by color coding only the light that illuminates the, the helmet, you also get away from making your characters potentially look like Power Rangers if you were to, say, color code the actual you know, exosuits that they wear or whatever. Uh, so I, I found that to be really clever and creative. I don't know if anybody's done mm -hmm. it before, but again, uh, there, it, there are problems to solve when you want something to look kind of grounded in reality, even if it's supposed to be the far future, um, that when you're dealing with astronauts, all astronauts look the same, right? So it, it, it's a good idea. Uh, not not to go on and on about uh, color coding things, but, you know, it's like I do it with my files. Why not do it with astronauts? So I'm going to give this four slices of meatloaf. I'm trying not to give away too much. Um, there is obviously a deeper story here. Let's just say that Alien is not the only influence here. There's a little bit maybe uh, some uh, Kubrick-esque overtones as well. Uh, so let's give it four slices of meatloaf. Very interesting book. Uh, very on board for the next one. Very cool. Now, question. Uh, we've been reviewing both The Sixth Gun and Harrow County, uh, mm -hmm. written by Cullen Bunn. How does this hold up compared to those other other books? Is this something we're going to see a long run of in a future years of Major Spoilers podcast? I was going to well, say, are we going to be doing this again in five years? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is a very different story already. Um, I, I will point out that I also was doing Manor Black. Um, which I think is another Colin Bond book. And I don't know if that's over or if he's doing both of these. He's he's a writing um, fool. He's got like eight, yeah. eight books okay. going on at the same time. Yeah, so I think he's doing that for Dark Horse. Mm -hmm. So as far as where this ranks, I mean, this is the first issue. It probably, so it doesn't grab me in the same way that, uh, say, Harrow County did on the very first issue. Um, but uh, it, it interests me because of the tropes, right? Because this is like, we're very clearly playing in alien territory. We're very, very clearly playing in 2001, a space odyssey territory. And so I'm interested to see just like where we went with the cowboy tropes and where we go with like the Appala like spooky Appalachia tropes. I'm, I'm interested to see where we go with, uh, you know, you're, you're a dumb astronaut in over your head tropes. Okay, very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to this. This is coming out May 27th of 2020. Hello, future people. Now, listen, Hello. some of you may be interested in these books that we're talking about, um, and you might say, hey, I would like to pick this up in a digital form. Uh, we do have an affiliate link for these comics with Comixology. It's something that we've been asking uh, for for years as, a, as an affiliate program, and Comixology said, sure, we'll let you in the door. And so what you'll see both on the show notes for this episode, as well as the reviews that we have posted over at Majorspoilers.com, is oftentimes next to the cover image of the uh, comic book, you will see something that says you can buy this book here or you can buy this book via Comixology or whatever it may be. You click on that link. It takes you over to Comixology. You can buy that digital comic just like our Amazon deal. It's not going to cost you anything extra. But a little bit comes our way. And I had one person tweet at me earlier this week saying, hey, thanks for letting me know about that. Uh, I bought a lot of digital comics over the weekend. I hope that helps you guys out. So there you go. Every little bit helps. And we thank everyone who's doing that. And if you're someone who's not into Comixology books, that's fine. You don't have to buy it through Comixology. Please go and support your LCS uh, as well. But if you don't have an LCS and you're into digital comics and you want to help us out, those Comixology links are going to start appearing throughout the Major Spoilers website. Okay. Let us now talk about the book that uh, I'm very interested in because I think this book came out in like 2011 is when it started just to kind of show you how old this book is. It's Hellboy and Hell Volume 1, The Descent. And I forgot that uh, Hellboy, The Fury is where Hellboy died and he went to heck. And um, we are now getting just Mike Mignola just doing this whole thing. He's doing the art. He's doing the story as Hellboy makes his way through hell. And before we get into this, I'm going to shine the spotlight on one Ashley Victoria Robinson once again. I was going to bring this up if you didn't. <laughs> okay. You have not read much Hellboy, uh, or maybe any Hellboy, uh, beyond uh, what you have seen in the movies. 
One of the movies that I had suggested last week for you to watch before you got into this was uh, the most recent uh, Hellboy movie with um, Harbaugh in it. Mm -hmm. Did you have a chance to watch that? I absolutely did not. Okay. (laughs) So, not knowing anything about what's going on in the comics... I, I want I want your general first impression of Hellboy in Hell. Yeah. So at the end, I said, hey, uh, Rodrigo, is there anything I need to know about Hellboy? Because I've read no Hellboy and Rodrigo's read, I think, all the Hellboys. At so, some point, yeah. Yeah, or pretty close. So. And you said, no, good luck. <laughs> you have to read all of it, uh, which is which is a completely fair assessment. Like this is like years deep of Hellboy mythos by this point. Um, I have seen, I have seen the two Guillermo movies. I thought they were great. I always meant to read Hellboy. It was just never something that I got around to. So I was like, great. I was actually working in a comic book store when this ended. So I was like, I vaguely am aware that this is a thing. Uh, and the nice thing about Heckboy and Heck is that they give you the bare minimum resuscitation of all key events up to this point Mm -hmm. twice throughout these five issues Mm -hmm. so if you've missed anything really important it's all kind of there other luckily uh ashley's very into witchy things and um weird hermetic occult stuff so i had a lot of reference points to the places and the characters and the symbology that this particular story is borrowing from larger, uh, either cultural or mythological, uh, I don't know, things. So sources. Yeah. This just kind of happened to like hit right in a Venn diagram that like I knew a bunch of stuff about Okay. and then plugging Hellboy into it. And then they were like, this is Hellboy's dad. These are Hellboy's brothers. I was like, Oh, great. Uh, I liked this book a lot. So it wasn't as challenging as I feared it would be. Good, good, good. I'm very pleased to hear that because as I was going through, I was like, and it took me a while to try to remember, okay, when did Hellboy die? And I kept they kept referencing the Wild Hunt in here, yeah, which is a really yeah, yeah. good which is a really good one to read, Ashley. Um, I'm gonna go back to I think like day one and read forward. Yeah, so I don't normally promote a bunch of other competing websites, but tonight I do want to promote a, a website uh for people who do want to kind of read Hellboy is um Multiversity Comics, uh their website. If you just do a search for Hellboy Reading Order, usually the first one that'll pop up is the Multiversity Comics link. And they have a reading order that you can read in one of two ways. The it gets real wibbly wobbly with the BDRD yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, and also because Hellboy jumps back and forth in time as far as the storytelling. Like, hey, here's a modern yeah. day Hellboy. It's kind of like Atomic Robo, right? Mm-hmm. So you can either read these stories in their release order combined with BPRD and all the other Hellboy stuff. Or you can read them in a chronological order, uh, starting with, you know, Seeds of Destruction and then working your way through all the other Hellboy stuff. Uh, Seeds of Destruction would be more of a modern day. So you'd even go back into a different order. But they have a really good, complicated, detailed list of an order to read these in to really understand uh, Hellboy if you're you're looking for that uh, linear format. Yeah, the real, really, the real issue is knowing when to jump over to BPRD stuff because some mm-hmm. stuff does crossover. But I think if you read just the Hellboy titles, you'll still know enough. Yeah, and and I'm pretty sure there are editor notes where it's like a character will show up and it's like, who's this tiger guy? And it's like, oh, this character was introduced in BPRD. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, Daniel Chavon, who is uh, accredited as an assistant editor on this, and I know has gone on to become a mainstay editor. Uh, over at Dark Horse. He's a really nice person and also a very good editor. And I think putting in notes like what Rodrigo is talking about, that's where editors can really shine mm-hmm. in a way that we, the reader, can see. And not enough editors get, I think, yeah, they're yeah. due. Yeah, no, this and this book kind of being the culmination as because eventually what happens in this book until it's undone is Hellboy dies for good. You know, he goes through what? hell at the end of this <laughs> series and then he's he's dead for good until he's not. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, this was kind of the winding down of everything and Hellboy going back and revisiting past, uh, foes, woes, you know, having his life presented before him. And so, you know, he comes up against the, the, the wild hunt guy, and then he has to go and doesn't remember that he kills Satan and, and a bunch of other stuff in this book, which I find very fascinating. But I think the thing that I, I find super fascinating, Rodrigo, is 
this is not necessarily a Hellboy story. Rather, it is a series of stories that has Hellboy in it. Which is very Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, right? So yeah. there are some stories that are like, you, Hellboy, are the most important thing in the world, raw. And then there are some other stories where it's like, the story of an elf, you know, starring Hellboy, even though it's still a Hellboy book. Um, it feels very uh, Sandman to me. Yeah, I mean, and that's, so I didn't know what these books were going to be like, because I actually, I stopped right before Hellboy died, just because I, I, I kind of lost uh, track of what, what all was happening in, in BPRD and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll get back into it at some point. So I, I, I didn't see uh, the volume immediately preceding this. And I was interested to see what Hellboy in Hell was going to be like. And it wasn't until the very end where like a guy shows up and is like, hello, Hellboy, can you help me not go to eternal damnation? And Hellboy's like, yeah, all right. And that I was like, oh, yeah, Hellboy in Hell, Hell is going to be a Hellboy book. Yeah. You know, it's like so much of Hellboy is just like Hellboy wandering the countryside of like basically throw a dartboard at, at a map of the world. Mm -hmm. um it's like oh today we are in south america it's like hellboy dealing with the paranormal stuff of paraguay right so it's like this is just going to be hellboy walking around in hell solving problems and getting into trouble um and dealing with a lot of uh basically goetic nonsense um and and you know a lot of references to the hells of, I'm sure, multiple different uh, traditions and multiple different religions and mythologies. And so, I, you know, I, I, I'm the, the slightest bit disappointed by the fact that it's not going to be something different because such a big swing of being like, well, let's kill the protagonist and send them to hell right. could have been something different. Right. But also it's it's also just like very comfortable for me to be like, ah. This is Hellboy. Yeah, but, but that's, that's also that's comics, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. we're all it's it, some of the best comic book writers in the world are remix artists, and they're often remix artists of their own tropes and traditions. Which is interesting because you just mentioned uh, Sandman with Neil Gaiman, who yeah. is I don't want to say notorious, but you know that's what he does. He takes Norse I'll mythology and remixes the notorious that. N E I. -L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Matthew, I'm I'm curious because. Uh, this is the most Hellboy story that Rodrigo has read, but I kind of dig it because, yes, at the same time, it is Hellboy is present in these stories, but he's also revisiting what it means to be the right hand of doom. Yeah, in many ways, he's actually almost a passenger at certain points in the story, literally mm -hmm. a passenger mm -hmm. when it comes to Satan's demise. But I, I think that my my issue with this, these issues, uh, is the fact that uh, this... <laughs> Backstory. As with every story, I have to start by telling you another story so I can tell you that. Was your cousin Elway in this one? No, my cousin Elwood is not in this one. However, second Elwood, time sorry. that cousin Elwood has shown up tonight. By the way, that's a, that's a that's a double <laughs> Elwood night. Everybody drink. Uh, when I was a kid, I was actually in gifted programs, and what that meant was they're like, "Here, you get a subscription to Games Magazine and a free hour every week to use your grand intellect." And I'm like, "Okay, great." Um, but one of the things that they did was like, "Here are some things that you may wish to read to feed your mind in the uh, way in which it wants to become accustomed." And one of those things was, "I I am crapping you negative on this, the Divine Comedy." Mm -hmm. And as I read this. I remembered reading the Divine Comedy when I was like 11 years old, 12 years old, I guess. And on the one hand, I went, wow, there's a lot of comparison points. There's a lot of moments here where it's clear that Mignola knows his, you know, his hell stories of multiple, multiple traditions. But it also reminded me of how much work it felt like to read mm. the Divine Comedy and Dr. Zhivago and things of that nature when I was 12 and 13 years old. And so as I'm reading this, certain parts of it felt like work. Because mm. we, okay. well, we start out with Nimue ripping out his heart and him falling to hell and nearly being eaten by uh, lobster things, which, you know, hey, I'm on, totally down with that. Giant satanic, uh, you know, crabs, I'm good. 
And then we get to this long and involved discussion of here's the guy with the hammer that we should know, but who's the guy with the hammer? I don't remember because I haven't read The Wild Hunt. Sure. And then there's a guy with a mask, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that that's the guy from the Ghost Finder spinoff, but I'm not sure until issue four. And then we're like, I'm pretty sure that that guy is is a Satan, but there's like four a Satans in here. And it's just, there are a lot of moments that are really wonderful. Uh, the explanation of, of Hellboy's birth and the horrifying sequence of him, you know, being created and his hand being chopped off as a baby. And teeny tiny Hellboy, though, is so cute. He is. <laughs> and you just want to feed him some pancakes. Yeah, you, you definitely also... actually that is a story you need to go check out right now is uh, Hellboy and the pancakes where he eats the pancake <laughs> and all of hell goes. He has eaten the pancake. I will say the the only Hellboy I have actually read before this is I read that itty bitty Hellboy series yeah, where he's yeah. cracking walnuts with that giant <laughs> oh, hand, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is an yeah. amazing series. <laughs> and that's that's kind of the thing about it. Um, Rodrigo's point about Hellboy stories not being about Hellboy is actually the thing that I like best about Hellboy, mm-hmm. and it's this kind of the same thing that happens to me with Atomic Robo, which is similarly structured in that the main character isn't necessarily the focal point of the story. He's always in it or part of it or some of it, but the focal point of the story can move around. And so maybe it's the fact that this is a focus on Hellboy's journey through, you know, four levels of HE double hockey sticks. Um, I love the fact that we'll say hell sometimes and not hell other times. Like there's Mm -hmm. a certain number of hells before standards and practices come down and tell us that we're no longer allowed to be aired before the nine o'clock watershed. Um, that's an aside. Three people laughed at that. Steven's one of them. He's not going to admit it. But it, there are points in this book where I feel like I wasn't as engaged as I kind of wanted to be because it did feel like work. It felt like this yeah. is, you know, hmm. this is definitely a reference to, you know, Zibulba or Satan or El Shatan or whatever it is. And I'm like, do I need to know something I'm that would sure, make this better? I'm pretty sure Zabulba is that guy from Star Wars. But I, I wonder, Rodrigo, is that why you drifted away from Hellboy? Is because it became too much work to enjoy Hellboy? No, not really. Um, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but Hellboy, if you read Seed of Destruction, it just right off the gate is just like, it was 1945 and this was happening. This was the same night as the lobster fell off the mountain. Yeah. And it's like, just nonsense, right? Just like pure, <laughs> you, you just hit nonsense at 70 miles an hour immediately. So no, that doesn't bother me. It's, I have the opposite reaction when I'm, because I, I myself enjoy reading about mythology of various countries and, and peoples. So when it, when it cuts across into something that I'm familiar with, I'm like, I know who that guy is. Um, I, I stopped reading Hellboy because it got kind of hard for me to collect and just kind of for monetary reasons, there was only so many things that I could get. And I was like, I think I'm going to do video games for a while. And so mm. I fell off of like collecting trades as many as I, uh, as much as I did, I got as far as they're like literally right here. Uh, actually, yeah, the wild hunt is the last one that I bought. Um, and I don't even remember if I read it. So. Um, yeah, it's just kind of personal, like personal non Hellboy reasons is kind of why I, I, I fell off of Hellboy, um, kind of like why I fell off of Magic the Gathering. You know, it's like, it's not that I don't like yeah. it. I just haven't been playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It requires That's also a just like a, a rite of passage being a comic fan that at some point in your life, you're going to just be like too broke to get everything you want. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think the one th- positive thing that I want to say about this is not that it was confusing because you're right, Ashley, they did do a good job of using the editor's notes to say, hey, this happened in this so that you can go back and jump into it. But I agree with you, Rodrigo and Matthew, that there's a lot of either work that you have to get into uh, for this. But the one thing that I really like is that this is Mike Mignola doing everything except for the coloring, which is Dave Stewart. And Dave Stewart has always done a fantastic, fantabulous, yeah. perfect job. He deserves all the coloring awards for his work yeah. on Hellboy. After he broke up with uh, Annie Lennox back yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. So, and again, I think that there there are other people who write Hellboy. Chris Roberson uh, writes Hellboy. And, you know, I, I've known Chris for a long time. I think his Hellboy stuff is 
fantastic as well. But Mignola does something where he writes very simply. He keeps things very, you know, he he doesn't pack the page with words because Hellboy is solemn and Hellboy is a loner. And so he's lost in his own thoughts. So you have a lot of what feels like quiet bits throughout this book. But he's also like in that Grant Morrison way, not it seems like not interested in doing all of the work for you. So like if you don't know who Nimue is and what her deal is and how she relates to the larger European and English mythos, like, well, then she's a creepy witch and like, good luck to you. Yeah. In, In that way where as someone who's written exclusively YA you have to explain everything. Yeah. So I was like, wow, there's like no words on this page. Right. And then, and then to double up on that is Mike's panels in this book seem to be larger than what I remember his stuff normally being. Right. It's almost like not only are we getting a slow, I don't want to say a slow story, but we're getting stuff that is minimalist. We're also getting these very large panels that let us focus on an expression or a cutaway, or a, here's this big giant, you know, uh, cuttlefish trying to attack our hero, hero stranded on a rock type stuff. And there's something about that that lets you linger on the panel without needing the rush to get to the next panel. And it, it also adds to the quietness of this book. Even though there's things like, hey, don't you remember killing Satan, your father? Uh, oh, I did that. Oh, hey, don't you remember me? You bashed my head in. Oh, I don't remember that. Let's fight. You know, it's 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 fascinating in that way, which the combination of minimalist words and larger images means that these five chapters read super fast. This is a 120 page book. You can get through it in an hour or less. Yeah, I read both volumes today. (laughs) Oh, so you read the volume two already? I surely did. Okay, All right. Oh, a new Hellboy fan. Hmm. Are you a Hellboy uh, fan now, Ashley, or not? That's I guess I that's mean, the I was, question. I was definitely a Hellboy fan before. Like I was into it from the movies, but uh, yes, I would say that I'm converted to the comic book. So I will pay Rodrigo the uh, requisite five dollars. That <laughs> that one must. He's he's saving it up, I'm sure, from his, when his time to the River Six comes. He's going to get that express. Yeah. Shuttling across. <laughs> and how uh, many people did you get into Hellboy? Four. <laughs> you may pass. <laughs> That's pretty good though for Dark Horse book. That's a lot of people. <laughs> oh man, burn! That's. <laughs> I don't mean that as a burn. My book is published by Action Lab. I just mean that with smaller publishers, yeah. every conversion counts. Yeah, and really, and honestly, look, I would love to be as successful as Mike Mignola. We could send four people my way. I'd be delighted. Oh man, if you guys haven't uh, during the during the pandemic, he's been doing these. Um, uh, oh yeah. Breakfast cereal drawings. Of like mm-hmm. Tony the Tiger and Quispin Quake and all these other things in his yeah. style. And they are both horrifying to look at and deeply yes. mesmerizing. And he's put them up on auction to raise money for comic book shops that have uh, suffered during this. So if you get a chance, and go Yola, and check them out. Tony the Tiger is just like the it's most great. terrifying thing. <laughs> 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 Gruesome. <laughs> I mean, especially with the proportions, right? So like arms tend to be longer than they need to be and legs tend to be shorter than they need to be in those in those yeah. images. So it's, and he it's uses very actual nice. lion cat type proportions, which regular Tony generally doesn't. And yeah. It's just... yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm curious, uh, Ashley, you said you really enjoyed it. What's a what's a final thought from you on this book? Uh, I actually think that if you are a mythology fan, and I don't, I don't even think it has to be of a, a specific type of mythology, specific tradition, but if you're just sort of into that idea, I think this is not a bad place to start if you kind of know, like, okay, Hellboy, Left Hand of Doom, Big Red Guy, Winch Earth is in hell now. I, I thought this was a very interesting uh, starting point. Uh, I think if you are a Hellboy fan, you probably get a lot out of this because it seems like the culmination of what I can only assume is years of storytelling, if oh, yeah. not decades. perhaps decades. Yeah, I I really liked it. Um, I thought the art was very arresting at different points. Um, I do hate Charles Dickens, so I found that part annoying. But <laughs> other than that, very good book. Definitely, uh, definitely a buy. And then bully your friends into reading. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Dark Horse. Probably wouldn't be where Dark Horse is if it wasn't for Frank Miller's Sin City 
and for Hellboy as the as the I big standouts. I mean, yes, yeah. they had Flaming Carrot and they had Concrete, and yes, they did get the Aliens and Predator and Terminator licenses or early they had, on. They had Star Wars for a long time too. They, they did great Star Wars comics. But I think it, I think really it's Hellboy that makes to me anytime I think Dark Horse, the first thing I'm going to think of is Hellboy. Uh, and and I think that is they got uh, that black hammer right now though. Very good. There you go. <laughs> uh, so for me, I think that. I think you might get more enjoyment if you are more familiar with the Hellboy mythos and you've maybe read, uh, you know, Conqueror Worm or Wild Hunt or Right Hand of Doom. If you read a couple of those volumes before, I think you'll be prepped for going into this. Um, I don't know. I don't know in hindsight if I would make this Ashley's first Hellboy book, to be honest, or if you've never read any Hellboy. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I would make this your first book. But definitely if you've read Hellboy or are familiar and have watched any of the movies, I think you'd be okay with this book. You may not get as much enjoyment out of it as if you've read other Hellboy books, but definitely I think this is worth uh, checking out. Matthew, what are your final thoughts on this book? If you only know Hellboy from Injustice 2 and his ability to punch out Black Canary and Superman, uh, this is probably not the place for you to start. I am... Uh, well, three things. Primarily, I'm a Sagittarius. Hello, ladies. What's but your I'm, moon and rising, though? Uh, I'm a hamburger over the moon. Uh, <laughs> moon over moon's hammy. over my hammy. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a Mercury and retro crush. Uh, but the thing about it is, I'm a nerd primarily. So I love anything in a comic book format. And especially if you play with the comic book format in entertaining ways, I will sit and stare at that for hours. And I'll be like... Oh, this is pretty. Oh, this is beautiful. And I did that throughout this volume of Hellboy. But as I was reading it, sometimes I found myself going, wait, is this that devil or is that the other devil? Which is not necessarily a dig on the book so much as come prepared, be ready, bring your A game if you're going to read Hellboy in Hell. And ideally, read other Hellboy first, for the love of God. I mean... There's like 25 years worth of Hellboy, which is 93, by the way, actually. I remember the first issue when it came out. Hey. Right about the time that uh, the next men were all the big rage. But here's the thing. If you pick this up, I don't think you'll be bored. You may not love it. You may be confused by it, but you will not walk away bored. All right. Fair. Rodrigo, as our resident Hellboy expert, drop some, drop expert, some thoughts on this. <gasps> Well, I, I will say that it was, if nothing else, it was an absolute joy to see just like all all Mike Mignola in, in writing and, and art. Um, not that I haven't enjoyed some of the other artists that have taken a crack at it, but there's just something about the way that me like the, the negative space of a, a, a Mignola comic that is like really, really fantastic. Um but mostly, uh, if you want a, a kind of a jumping on point to Hellboy, and like any almost any Hellboy volume is a good enough jumping on point if you think that maybe you'll go back and do it. And this one actually, I felt you know wasn't that bad because they spent some time explaining what has already happened. And because, if, again, if you jump into the very first volume of Hellboy, they probably explain more in this one than they do in that one. True. I can so, see that. So, um, yeah. Even, I, I think, if you if you follow Mike Mignola on Twitter and you want to see uh, some really spooky, cool stuff in full color, definitely pick up Hellboy and Hell Volume 1. There you go. And for all of you people freaking out because we've said the word hell so many times, you can find a link and pick up your own copy of Hellboy in Hell by <laughs> clicking on the Amazon link uh, right there in the uh, in the show notes. Again, it takes you over to the Amazon page, our affiliate page. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but a little bit comes back our way. And both with the Comixology links and the Amazon links, you're taking money right out of Jeff Bezos's wallet, and you're putting it right into our hands, where we use this money to make great shows like this week after week just for you. And that's where we're going to wrap it up this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We love your hell feedback, so use the hell comments section at Major Spoilers to share your hell thoughts and hell reactions to this hell episode. Or even better, send us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do, uh, including 
uh, adding bleeps to uh, to future episodes <laughs> uh, by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Those beeps don't come cheap, which is why I have to limit those <laughs> until we can get some more money. But we will be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. We'll talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. podcast is copyright 2020 by major spoilers entertainment llc